A lot of people don't realize that everything is happening in harmony. It's just if you're powerful enough to perceive it or not. So you may think things are going wrong and it's because it's not going the way you wanted it to go. But I would recommend everybody, um, and especially in this time where a lot of people's egos are much bigger than they need to be, is practice a little non-attachment in appreciating the harmony that's all around you. Everything that's happening, a perfect example is we're on a podcast right now. This is what I would call harmony and synergy and a lot of co-creation. Like we are co-creating awesomeness for you guys right now. And you're doing that too, whether you realize it or not. So take an active role in that and create more harmony while also practicing non-attachment. And non-attachment is just understanding that being attached to an outcome is, is the ego level. You you want certain things to happen, that's fine. But understand that that might not be in your ego's greatest interest or at your ego's greatest good. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Being Inspired Radio Show. I am your host, Amanda Johnson, and... Boy, are you in for a treat today. I have with me a guest who I know in my entire being has so much wisdom and insight and inspiration to share with you. I have had the pleasure of having only one other conversation with this man. And from that short amount of time, I just am confident that he is making huge waves in this world of positivity, of, of inspiration. And I'm going to share a little bit more about him and what he's doing. And you will feel the chills in your body, I'm sure, as I did, as I've talked with him and read more about who he is and what he does. So stay tuned. Keep listening. We are going to have quite the conversation today. So my guest is Jalen Gildersleeve. Jalen is the founder and CEO of MindHack, an AI-based application that teaches people emotional intelligence, self-compassion, and emotional resilience. Having been born in Flint, Michigan, Jalen grew up surrounded by the belief that struggle, drugs, and violence were the only obvious options for survival. After his mom moved the family to Atlanta, Georgia while in college, he was able to begin to witness and create new obvious options through self-compassion and emotional intelligence. It is these key tenets that led to the creation of MindHack during Goody Nation's Hack the Violence event. Goody Nation charged Jalen with reducing the world's emotional violence by 40% by 2020. After deciding to refocus on increasing the world's emotional intelligence instead, MindHack works to do so by providing resources to its users, especially those underserved by today's society. Jalen, what an incredible biography. It gives me chills every time I read it. Thank you so much for being on this show today with me. Oh, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. So we are going to dive into a conversation that I can only imagine will be uh, inspired and leading us to all sorts of juicy goodness. Each time I have a guest on the show, I like to ask the guests what it is that they stand for in the world or who it is, you know, who they see themselves as being in this world and, and why they're here. And Jalen's response to that uh, came in the form of a few things, but this, this sentence that he shared with me was so delightful and to me so true that I really wanted to focus in on what he said, which is the world is a better place 
than people think. And I can't wait to explore that concept a little more in detail with Jalen uh, over the course of our conversation. But that gave me um, some inspiration to select a passage from a book that has served as a key piece of inspiration on my own journey, a framework that I have gone back to time and time again since reading it a couple of years ago, and it's The Four Agreements. And of course, those listening, if you haven't yet read it, highly recommended. Uh, Again, I read it very, I think, recently on my journey, and yet, like all things, it came at the exact right time. So there's a passage from this book I'm going to read, and I ask, as you listen, both Jalen and those of you uh, tuning in, Take some time, be fully present with these words and see what, um, see what it says to you. See what these words speak to your own heart. In what ways, what does it spark in you? What does it um, inspire in you? And then we'll get our conversation with Jalen started. So this again is from the four agreements. And this is around the agreement of not taking anything personally. If you keep the agreement of not taking anything personally, you can travel around the world with your heart completely open and no one can hurt you. You can say, I love you without fear of being ridiculed or rejected. You can ask for what you need. You can say yes, or you can say no, whatever you choose, without guilt or self-judgment. You can choose to follow your heart always. Then you can be in the middle of hell and still experience inner peace and happiness. You can stay in your state of bliss and hell will not affect you at all. So Jalen, as you let those words sink in a bit, what does that bring up for you? Wow, that's an amazing passage. And thank you so much for sharing. Um, For me, what it brings up is just the power of what being truly present can do for you and having that un like that undiminishing well of love in your heart and knowing how to spread that love, how life can transform for you. Um, Wow. That was such a great passage. It just, it just really moved me into thinking like sometimes even, even when you get extremely mindful and have a great meditative practice, you can sometimes get away from that. And it's it's very critical that you remember that not everything is personal. Absolutely. And isn't it interesting that when, why this quote and why this passage stood out to me, given what you had shared and a lot of the work that you do in this world, which we'll certainly explore in our time together, is the idea that when I take something personally, um, the world can seem like a really scary place and it can seem like a very unsafe place place, right? That all of a sudden people can hurt me, that people can do me wrong. Um, And I I may not be as comfortable or as um, confident going out with a a heart wide open and going out and sharing my gifts and sharing who I truly am out of fear. And again, you, of course, I'm sure have such a, I would imagine, interesting uh, background and feel free to share however much of that as you would like in terms of how you are, where you are today, and, and you know who you have become. But that's what really stood out to me was this idea that the world may seem unsafe. Um, and maybe that hell that we feel it is at times, right? We're living in this hell, we like to think sometimes. But I think that's because we take things personally. So what are your thoughts on that in terms of, and I'm just going to ask kind of an open question, and you take it where you want, but what are your thoughts on how this 
passage, the idea of not taking things personally in your own life has led you to seeing the world as a better, safer place to live? Wow, that's, that's an excellent question. So for me personally, growing up, I honestly took a lot of things personally, to be 100% honest. Um, I grew up and I never met my father and um, one of six kids. And we were all raised by my mother. And growing up with siblings who have their dad and you don't have your dad, it kind of makes you take a lot of stuff personally in my personal experience. And, and I grew up kind of with like my heart on my sleeve or a chip on my shoulder, whatever um, cliche or analogy you want to use for it. And it really taught me as I was getting older, like I was capping my own potential by doing that, by like, by not accepting that things happen and, and wanting to blame somebody for certain things instead of being responsible. And, and that's, that's a big big point for millennials and for Gen Zers and I guess everybody it's, it's very hard for people to remain responsible when things seem to be already against you and that's one of the things I noticed that I did at a younger age and, and through through meditation and a lot a lot of practice and, and a lot of maturity I've learned that every truly mature person understands how to take responsibility in a way that they are not overshadowing other people involved and they're taking responsibility for what they've actually done or what has actually affected their life. So I, I can really attest to the fact that taking things personally can really shift your perspective and that when you ultimately understand that level of maturity, when you can only be responsible for what is actually come to pass for you um, and how that can shift your whole reality. I love that, Jalen. There's so much there. Um, especially this idea that you realizing that you capped your own potential, right? So that's one of the biggest places where we fall victim or, um, you know, can how this taking something personally can really have that negative impact. And thank you for sharing in terms of, you know, I can only imagine not having your father figure. And again, how could that, of course, not impact a child and to the idea that something, and I'm, I may be putting words in your mouth, but, you know, my own experience might look like, uh, if that were my my story, you know, I was unlovable, I was unworthy, um, so much that my father, right, wasn't around. And again, that was taking something personally. And I just love that you have come to a point in your young life still, uh, in the grand scheme of things, to see that um, for what it is, and to start to take responsibility. So let's talk a little bit more about that. I want to know more about how do you, how have you, and I know you started to say it through meditation, through practices. Um, and of course, I want to know a little bit more about the work that you do in terms of these tenets that you live by. How have you started to take greater responsibility for your life, knowing that you've come from something like, a, you know, a single parent household or these feelings that maybe you were unwanted or unloved, if that indeed was your experience. What does that look like for you? One of the things I would say was a, a real defining moment for me is while growing up, I, I dealt with all, all types of things like anger management and depression and all these things that seem so far away from me now, just based on how I interact with people and what my life is like now. Um, so a defining moment for me, I played a lot of sports. Um, and playing sports is a certain type of team camaraderie and, and responsibility that comes with that. 
and I'm playing basketball and tennis and, and football and all these other key sports, I, I realized like, and even doing martial arts, I realized like, there's of course a certain amount of accountability there. And I, and I was learning how to focus really intensely and get into what I call flow. And, and that flow led me to understand like, I'm understanding something to a greater extent than I can actually fathom, but my body can reach that level. So after I realized that my body could reach levels that I couldn't perceive, I started to like want that in everything. I wanted flow in making music. I wanted flow in writing. I wanted flow in um, breathing. I wanted flow in meditation. I wanted flow in every form of martial arts that I practice. I just wanted that thing. And, and flow actually, at the time, I just started, what I was calling it was like, like, I think that's just, like, closer to your maximum potential. Like, in, in a sport, it's kind of like, um, like, say you're driving to a hole in basketball and then you just feel it and you take a shot and you know it's going in and you're already running back. It's kind of like you, you've, you like, seen it already. And that's one of the things I started to notice that you can reach in every part of life. And after I started to get to flow in that, I realized, like, there's so much more that I'm not reaching in my potential. And then that made me really, really take some steps. Because everybody was telling me, oh, you're a great leader, you're a great athlete. But it was like, to me, I always knew it was something more. So I took the time and, and really just took a pause. And that's when I started to try to deepen my meditative practice because I realized I wasn't really giving my brain the, the type of break that I give my body. Like, I'll play basketball, like, even if I play basketball six times a week, there's at least one day of that week where I'm going to take a deep restorative rest. And, and I was noticing my brain wasn't really getting that break. And I was just proud and I'm a, I'm a deep thinker. So I'm processing all this stuff all the time and I'm not really giving my brain that reprieve. So then I realized that you have to cultivate what you have to practice, what you preach, but on all levels. And that's when I really started to take the time to really maximize the potential of my brain by taking breaks. Amazing. So again, so many things. I love this because you can say something. I'm like, wow, we have like three directions we can go. So let me see if I can uh, summarize a bit just to help myself even in this. So first of all, I love your example of the, finding the flow uh, and how that came to you through your you know, experience with sports. As someone I can raise my hand who never played sports growing up, I didn't have that entry point. And yet I'm sure I can see it in other areas of my life. But anyone who has experienced sports, I'm sure can relate. And what I love about what you said is your body was doing something that your mind hadn't yet conceived. And at the same time, there was this visioning, right? This I've seen it before it even happens. The ball is already in the net because I'm already running away. And what a powerful tool to take and apply to our entire lives. What I love also is that to me that talks about the responsibility, because I think sometimes we talk about you have to take responsibility. You talked about that before. And yet that doesn't necessarily mean at all times. It's like, well, I've just got to take the responsibility for all the bad stuff that happens in my life, right? No, we take responsibility for the life we create. Just like when you're on that basketball court and you're taking full responsibility that that ball is going in the net, you've already seen it. You're taking radical responsibility for envisioning that it will go in. And it may not. And of course, you take responsibility for that as well. But I want to also emphasize that you, how I perceive you, is that you are this man living a life who is seeing the ball already in the net. And that is how you are taking responsibility in your life to create the life that you want to live. Would you agree with that? 
Oh, 100%. 100%. I would definitely agree with that. And I love the fact that you honed in on the responsibility because another big thing about me and playing basketball, I don't know if it's because I'm from Flint, Michigan, and it's maybe because like that's how like Michigan State is and how the Fab Five were. But when the ball, even if it does miss, I'm accountable for that too. Like you have to have accountability in all ways. So what I will do is I'll say I'll owe my team one. Like if I if I shoot a shot and I ran up, I should have shot, it felt like it was going in, it misses. I say I owe you one in terms of like I'm getting you a rebound, I'm getting you the ball back. But that's just my own tenacity towards it. But that's my way of being accountable and responsible for the outcomes of situations I create. Absolutely, because it goes both ways, right? And that's beautiful. And again, you aren't blaming your teammates and you aren't saying, well, they had just done this, which is what we like to do in our lives, right? And again, I imagine when you're on that team, it feel, it's safe. When people are taking accountability and taking responsibility, it's a safe space. And I believe, I imagine, again, I've, I've been on the theatrical teams of life or the, you know, the show choir teams of life. But if you can really depend on people, then that it's a safe space to be. That definitely adds to it. Having that team support, that actually is another big part of the accountability too, because while growing up without my dad, I realized one of the things I was really big at doing is I wasn't that great at perceiving and understanding my support systems. Like I didn't know, I'd be like, oh, my teacher, you're paid to support me, but you don't actually support me. Or I, I had some ways of skewing my field of vision to where I couldn't perceive certain things that were happening. And I realized another thing that I had to be accountable for is I, they, it's not that they weren't there to support me. It was that I wasn't able to perceive their support in the way that they were giving it. Absolutely. Perception is king. Perception is so king. That's a whole, we could have a whole conversation just about that, but let's, so let's circle this back for, for, I want to know, and I, I imagine the listeners want to know as well. You have these three tenants that you have based your business on, um, I mean, first your life on, I imagine, and then by extension, your business and now offering others an opportunity to learn these and, and become more practiced at them. Can you talk a little bit about what they are and why or how do you see these three ways of living supportive of seeing the world as a better place than we think, right? How do these connect? to seeing the world as a better place than most people think it is. Once I realized that I was older and I'm in college and I have like had all these excellent opportunities in front of me, I realized there are certain key things that if I was a young man and no, if I had no parents, these three things would help me have a much better life. And, and I've broken them down into three parts. And the three things are, first, there's self-compassion, which was... The idea of it came up by Christine Neff. Um, she's a UC Berkeley professor, I believe, and she's just a rock star. She came up with self-compassion. And this is beautiful understanding that you have to practice self-kindness with yourself. Even when you fail or when you're doing your best, you have to be kind with yourself to really maximize your potential. And the second tenet out of self-compassion is common humanity. So although I've never had a dad or that my mom has passed away now from cancer, my suffering is not greater than anybody else's. It's, that's what common humanity is. Everyone suffers. And the last tenet is mindfulness pretty much over rumination. So a lot of people ruminate on things and beat themselves up and ask themselves the same question, like, why did you do this? And it's mindfulness is accepting that you've done that thing and then letting it go and, and like allowing it to like propel you forward versus limit you. 
So that's self-compassion. I think if I've had that even earlier as a child, I'd have even a better life than I have now. And my life is pretty awesome. So then the second thing, it's, it's kind of like a spectrum. It's emotional intelligence to emotional maturity. And emotional maturity is just simply emotional intelligence when used with integrity. So emotional intelligence breaks down in, the, in my mind five critical parts. It's self-awareness, so how well you can perceive what yourself is doing. Social awareness, how well you can perceive others and what they're doing. Relationship management, so how well you can perceive what others are doing and their emotions, how they're feeling. And then how you act in that environment to perpetuate your relationship. And then the last one is very strongly associated with self-awareness, is self-regulation or self-management. And I use self-management, self-regulation to focus in very keenly on motivation because I think that's one big thing that our generation and as millennials and Gen Zers lose focus in. So that motivation, that factor is how well you can get yourself to do something and self-regulation is how well you can control yourself while dealing with all that self-awareness and having all and being bombarded with all these brand messages and all, all these other energies and all these other opportunities. How well can you focus yourself to execute on specific things? And I'm sure we can have awesome conversations about both those things. But my background for emotional maturity and emotional intelligence, emotional intelligence comes from Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence from my experience. A great professors there, um, Dr. Mark Brackett is awesome. If you haven't ever heard of him, look him up on YouTube. He runs the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence for Children. So he teaches kids about meta moments, which is handling moments as your best self. And he's a whole nother rock star and he just does awesome work. And, and the actual president of Yale now actually created the term emotional intelligence way, way, way back. So definitely I would check that out. And then emotional maturity, um, I came across that topic from Edward Morler. Uh, he wrote the book on leadership integrity challenge and how you can facilitate emotional maturity. And it's an awesome book as well. And then when we go into emotional resilience, I actually got certified at UC Berkeley by Rick Hansen on emotional resilience. And emotional resilience is pretty much just understanding, like your muscles, life is very similar. And to build your muscles, you have to tear tissues and then it rebuilds stronger than it was before. The same is true for suffering. Suffering doesn't make you weaker, it only makes you stronger. So my whole thing is I want to help people learn that when you go through something like losing a parent or never having a parent and you still live a beautiful, vibrant life and you're still an awesome leader, you can still spread love to every person that you meet. That is because you've learned that your suffering is your strength. And I think every person should know that. And that's why I believe that those three tenets, so self-compassion, emotional maturity and emotional resilience are three tenets that can help every single person realize that the world is a fantastic place, especially when you understand how love works. And that like when you understand self-compassion, you understand the more you can love yourself and really appreciate yourself for who you actually are, the more you can love other people. The more you can be in integrity with the way you're interacting with people dealing with their emotions, the more you realize that this is a beautiful place. And the more you realize like, no matter what you suffer, as long as you're still here to experience something else, it's a very beautiful place. So those are the three tenets. That was awesome. And I got total goosebumps or truth bumps, I like to call them, uh, you know, throughout most of awesome. it. And at, <laughs> and at the very end, when you 
when you shared about um, that our suffering is what makes us stronger. And it just is so true. And I'll, I'll share this one anecdote before I go in and ask another question uh, on that last point you talked about, which I was in a, a healing, an energetic healing session this past weekend. And I had this experience of feeling as if my heart was physically breaking open. And that isn't a comfortable thing to experience. That isn't joyous. <laughs> it doesn't feel good to have this sense that my chest is physically breaking. And I, I, of course, was in a very safe place and I knew I was and I was doing the work that I needed to be doing. And the, the insight, the wisdom I received through that experience that was producing tears and in, you know, physical discomfort was that my heart has to break physically, you know, I mean, not literally, but it has to break open in order to love more. And in or and I knew in that moment that this breaking open, while painful or somewhat fearful, was the the path to greater and fuller love. So I hear as soon as you said suffering is our strength, and it is it is the, the, the things we go through in life that may break us or seemingly break us until again, we are willing and able to not take it personally and take full responsibility where we can and be accountable. That becomes the path to deeper love, deeper compassion and a greater life. So I love that you said that. And I just got so many chills when you did. I'm so glad that you had that experience going to a location like, kudos to your energy healer or whoever led that session because they're probably awesome but i've actually had to learn that in myself when i was losing my mom i felt similar like i was like what am i gonna do now i'm not even a mama's boy and i'm still like oh man this sucks but then i realized right after that i have the beautiful opportunity to literally every person i meet they're like well i'm not, I'm, a, I'm having this hard time talking to my mom or my dad or and i can easily tell them they're not gonna stop being your mom or your dad did they actually do something to intentionally hurt you or is that your perception, which is pretty much the, the quote or are you taking it personal? A lot of times that's what's happening. Like your parents raise you, you take their, their wisdom personally instead of as like some more of a guiding compass. And I've been telling people like ever since I've lost my mom, man, yeah, you should just go talk to your mom. There's, well, I don't have enough time. You should make time. Uh, and then, and then they have no choice, but to really like really sit back and think about it. Like, I wonder why this happened or and it's always like the most serendipitous times but yeah so i think it's, it's like i've taken that as a as not my charge or anything but as an opportunity to like help people understand the love that they've been born with or that they learned the most from in their in their lives or hopefully gained at least some awesome experience from well jaylen i love that and I, the, the question that's kind of just ooh, it's like biting at the chomping at the bit rather uh is I'm curious as to, you know, the world that you knew before and the world that you know now, and how would you describe it or how has it shifted? Um, paint us that picture a little bit so that we can, you know, step into your shoes a little or maybe hear from you that shift. And um, maybe as we hear you share your story or that experience or what you experience now, we might either be inspired or uh, we may even resonate with that, right, as being our experience. So what has that been like for you from a world that maybe wasn't so great to a world that really is? That's an excellent question. So to me, at one point, I was realizing, like you said, perception is key. So I was 
I was in the the trenches of it, and I'm like, just bad stuff is happening here, and bad stuff is happening here, and bad stuff is happening here. But I wasn't perceiving, and I wasn't strong enough to realize at that time that the only reason I keep noticing bad stuff is because I'm looking for bad stuff. My brain has been, whether classically conditioned or operant conditioned, I was searching for the negative indirectly. And I understand that I'm from an environment that perpetuates the negative and and it's been proven neurologically that fear processes faster or negative emotions in general process faster, last longer and resonate longer. But fear explicitly, it drives you to action faster than positive emotions like love, which is stimulates the neurochemical oxytocin. Fear drives dopamine. It makes you do stuff. Oxytocin is, it takes a little time to build up and then there's like, an awesome euphoria after it has built up. But when I realized every, another big thing that happened is every person I meet either learns something from me or teaches me something. And I just thought it was beautiful that I, in the world that I'm in now, I can appreciate every one of those moments. I can, and it happens almost every day. I can just go to the store and only interact with a, with the teller and you'd be amazed. And I understand I'm more of an extroverted person. So that that's my experience. But this the reality that I experience is just more rich and, and just more inviting. And the opportunities that come my way. I mean, for instance, I'm on a podcast with someone as awesome as Amanda, like these type of things I can't make up. And this is just my regular day to day life. I love that so much. And that, of course, brings a smile to my face. So thank you for that. I will, um, I'm inspired to read one more quote. And, uh, and then I'm going to see if there's anything else you have that you are really wanting to share before we shift gears a bit here. You just said something, Jalen, about, you know, showing up at the grocery store or seeing, you know, everyone is either, uh, either we are their teacher, or they are ours. And that's just I think how it is and it's such a profound shift to make and then the ability to share love and spread love to everyone because we see them in a different way and um, again it's a safer place at that point there was another quote that I actually wanted to read from the Tao Te Ching because I know that's another book you have read so the one that I wanted to read and I, I just felt like this actually is so well connected to what you just said and and it says that the wise person is without a decided mind Thus, his actions are based on the minds of the people. And I'll just say what that makes has me think of it. It means we don't go into every situation assuming who a person is or what they are or how they're going to treat us, right? And again, this kind of goes to how the world can be a safer place. The wise person treats the good person with goodness. He also treats the bad person with goodness. This is how you become good. The wise person gives the truthful person his trust. He also gives the untruthful his trust. This is how you become trustworthy. The wise person lives in the world with united and harmonious activity, his heart and mind mixing with the people as water mixes in the ocean, seeing all people as his innocent children. Wow. I love yeah. it. Which yeah. verse is that? 49. Verse oh, wow. 49. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so now, Jalen, is there anything that we haven't yet said around, you know, who you are in the world, what you stand for, what you are, you feel charged with as your mission that you would like to share with those listening? 
Yeah, two, two, no, three things, three things. So uh, you guys know about self-compassion, emotional maturity, and emotional resilience now, which is awesome. Uh, another one that is really big to me, and it was after I met Dr. Dasher Kiltner. He, re- he created the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley. One of his biggest things about, he studies happiness, which is awesome, and he studies awe. And awe is a whole other level of just appreciating that you're a small part of something bigger. So I would like to invite everyone to do that at some point. Like this, it's a trend now happening, forest bathing or going back to nature. I would strongly recommend doing that, especially if you're in any place that has either gigantic forests or don't get lost, but any place that has giant forests or epically tall trees, like I'm in California now. So the California redwoods and the and the coastal, I can't remember what they're called, but they're huge and they literally help you understand that you're a small part of something bigger. So awe is always super cool. Or you could just look at the moon on a full moon or visit your local mountain. Or I don't know if what's around everybody, a, a giant stream or awesome ocean and water. All of those things will help you realize you're a small part of something bigger. Another really critical one, and I got it from the Dao Di Ching um, reference that you just gave me, which was fantastic. Um, the harmony, the harmony of it. A lot of people don't realize that everything's happening in harmony. It's just if you're powerful enough to perceive it or not. So you may think things are going wrong and it's because it's not going the way you wanted it to go. But I would recommend everybody, um, and especially in this time where a lot of people's egos are much bigger than they need to be, is practice a little non-attachment in appreciating the harmony of this all around you. Everything that's happening a perfect example is we're on a podcast right now. This is what I would call harmony and synergy and a lot of co-creation. Like we are co-creating awesomeness for you guys right now. And you're doing that too, whether you realize it or not. So take an active role in that and create more harmony while also practicing non-attachment. And non-attachment is just understanding that being attached to an outcome is, is the ego level. You, you want certain things to happen. That's fine. But understand that that might not be in your ego's greatest interest or at your ego's greatest good. Well, thank you for that. That was, again, just brilliant and, and so much insight and wisdom there. So thank you. I'm glad, I, I'm glad I asked. I'd like to shift gears a bit. And I always ask my guests three questions at the end of each episode uh, to get to know you a little bit more than we already have. And the first question is, who is a source of inspiration for you and why? I'll start that with a quote from somebody who also has inspired me. Um, and I've, I've cited a lot of them because they're just so awesome. We build our works and we build our careers on the backs of giants. And that's a quote from Roger Weisberg. He's the guy who made SEL learning. Super, super inspiring guy. Um, that's social-emotional learning if you, um, for your viewers who are not as aware of it. So who would I say inspires me? So it's so many people. Right now, the first thing that's coming to mind is my girlfriend, Sandy McClinahan. She inspires me all the time with not only her actions, but how graceful she is when she doesn't even acknowledge it. Like she doesn't even know how much awesome and good for the work that she's doing. And as you know, sometimes it's hard to see the forest for the trees. So yeah, she's truly inspiring me. And she teaches me something almost every day without even trying. 
Awesome. And of course, I always love to be reminded and remind others how everything is a mirror, right? Everything in this world can be a mirror and a reflection. And as I hear you say that about Sandy, I'm I can't but help think, well, that's only because she's shining that back to you because that is something you are also doing um, and you are probably unaware. And so I just love that that is what you you share, um, you share see in her. And I imagine she and many others see that same thing in you. I know I do. So that's awesome. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. All right. The second question is what place or activity is most inspiring to you right now? So the place that is most inspiring to me, I want to do place and activity. The place that's most inspiring to me, yesterday I went for a hike and at a place in California for the first time. I went to this place called Mission Peak. Um, it was probably like a almost a three-mile trail, two-and-a-half-mile trail, and it's, it's pretty steep. It was awesome, though. Getting to the top, getting to see over the whole Bay Area, it was fantastic. So that was super inspiring to me. And what is most inspiring to me currently, it's it's a strong tie between finding your harmony in the world and finding your harmony in yourself. Because either or, and finding harmony in yourself usually comes through either meditation or some active meditation. Like for Sandy, it's like um, climbing, which is awesome because it's like a full body exercise, but you're also like super focused maybe swimming for you for me it's like martial arts like when i'm training and i'm trained in multiple weapons so like training with weapons or playing tennis or basketball like activities while also being in harmony with yourself so the ones that don't frustrate you more than likely i love that wow that's an answer i haven't heard yet and i just love it love it love it good and food for thought for all of us who are listening to these responses so brilliant Um, My third question is, what book has served, and I know you're an avid reader, many of my guests are, but what book or books has served as um, inspiration for you on your journey? Oh, man, (laughs) so many. So Dao Di Ching that you cited has been amazing. You definitely have to be open-minded for that one because it is a little overwhelming, honestly. It's much more about being in the moment. I love altruism. That's one of my favorite concepts. And if you guys aren't familiar with it, that's the ability to do for someone else without expecting something in return. And, and that's critical for everybody to understand. It's a, one of our bigger humor, human tenets that most people just get lose a little sight of. Um, but altruism is the power of compassion to change the world. That's my Matthew Ricard. Um, after that, of course, I would have to cite Flow, the optimal experience. He's a super smart guy. And he just studies the um, psychology of the optimal experience. And it's kind of a little bit what I, what I talked about earlier, a little bit of getting in the flow. or I used to call it the zone, um, personally. Another great one is connected, how your friends, friends, friends affect everything you do, think, and feel. That is Nicholas Christakis and James Fowler. Super awesome guys. Um, I met him at Yale as well. After I reconnected, I felt like I had to meet him. He focuses on one of these concepts that is super near and dear to my heart is homo dikiokis, which is, it stands for network, man. It's pretty much showing that you can be altruistic and compassionate to every person you meet. And it is proven scientifically to make you have a better life because you're being aware of not only the emotions of people in your circle, but the people of the people of the people in your circle, in which case it helps you be more broad and more empathetic, but also makes your life more palatable. And the final one 
This one is like a lot older. The Master Key System is from 1906 or 1912. It's an awesome book and it's super focused on helping you grow your own meditative practice. And it teaches you in a very practical way about how you can manifest things, set pure intentions, and then actualize things by met through a meditative process. And I, I think that's something that every person can use. If you guys are familiar with like the law of attraction, this is like the first entry point for a law of attraction before all the other books started being made. So like the secret is based on it and a lot of other key newer books about law of attraction. So if you're intrigued in that type of stuff, I would definitely check that out. And sometimes it's so great to go back to the root texts or some of the older texts to mix it up. So I love that you have a couple of those uh, in your uh, in your portfolio that you just shared as well as, well as certainly um, some newer books, right? Because of course, wisdom and truth uh, continues. And it, it often, we know if it's really based in the same truth or not. Um, but of course, it needs to be said in many different ways. And that's why books continue to get written about these ideas and these concepts. So wonderful list uh, for people to go check out one or two or three or all of them, depending on what resonated or what you haven't read yet. I love hearing what people are reading that's inspiring them. It's one more I would like to add. Together is Better by Simon Sinek. It is literally a picture book, but I think it's like a perfect book to recommend because it has in there a page that has a scent of what inspiration smells like. And based on the name of your podcast and everything you stand for, I think it would be super intriguing for you to get as well. It's about three people coming together and understanding how to be a better team and how to inspire each other. Oh, I love that so much. And I can't believe it has a smell of inspiration. Oh my goodness. Okay, that's definitely going on the list as well. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Uh, I just have so, so appreciated our time together. And I know with like a capital K, every time I say the word no, I don't think everyone can see how I'm spelling it in my head, but it's like a capital K-N-O-W when I really know something. And I truly know that this conversation has been in, um, just completely inspirational and of the highest service for so many people who have tuned in. And something that we said today spoke to somebody out there listening. And I love that that is why this show exists. And that is why I do what I do and why you do what you do. It's because of the ripples that we create that as you acknowledge, everyone is creating. And so we are simply an example of that co-creation and that ability here today in this space. And so for those listening, thank you so much, Jalen. Thank you so much for being here. And I wanna be sure before we sign off, is the MindHack app ready yet? Or how can they learn more? How can they find out more about it if this is something that they um, might benefit from using? Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for having me. It's been an awesome opportunity. Um, MindHack is in private beta currently. So they can find out about it and view our private beta if they reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's just my name, Jalen Gildersleeve. Very open guy. They can add me on Facebook if they would like. I'm also on Twitter. So if they want to add me on any social media, feel free to. Um, I'm very open. Just reach out to me. Say you're interested in a private beta or if you have any questions, and I'll make it available to you. Our website is also mind, M-I-N-D-H-A-K.com. Fantastic. Yes. I'm, I'm really excited to see this continue to evolve. And certainly, like I said, it's going to be making some big splash and splashes and waves in the world. And it's such a great thing. So yes, if you are listening and you are interested to learn more about this 
um, application and want to even be a part of the beta test group. So by all means, reach out, find Jalen. I'll put a few links in the show notes so you can find easy access to that. And again, thank you for tuning in. Uh, thank you for being an inspiration in your own way, in every way, as you go out into the world and remembering that the world is a much better place than so many of us think it is. And that starts with us taking responsibility and um, not taking things personally. And of course, finding our flow and all of the other things that we talked about today. And with that, I will sign off and say until next time, many, many blessings.